Hello, and thanks for tuning in to the 10th and Broad Church of Christ podcast. Today's message is presented by Ken Holsberry, the preaching minister at the 10th and Broad Church. Let's tune in now for Ken's message. Well, at the height of World War II, so go back in history a little bit, at the height of World War II, Nazi Germany controlled one 0.26 million square miles of Europe. Now, that's a lot. That's hard to even kind of grasp what that compares to, but that was uh, that was from France all the way east to Russia, that was from Norway all the way south to Greece, and that immense area was called Fortress Europa is what it was called because what that implied was just that it was a it was an impregnable impregnable fortress that that Hitler had built. And that was going to be difficult to attack and to gain ground for the Allied armies. And so that was a big decision and a big debate that the Allied armies had is how are we going to get back into Europe? How are we going to get a beachhead in Europe from which we could grow and eventually defeat Germany? And so they set their sights on 50 miles of beach in Normandy, France. Now, compare that 1.26 million square miles of occupied territory and they set their sight on 50 miles of beach. And on D-Day, they didn't even have control of that entire 50 miles, but they had a foothold. Maybe it was even just a toehold, but they had some ground and from that ground it was enough and in the days turned into weeks and the weeks turned into months. And the Allies slowly gained more and more ground. And after two months, they had liberated Paris. And after less than a year, the war was over. And they had liberated Europe. All 1.26 million square miles of it. And so we celebrate that kind of event. Because that was the good guys who were defeating the bad guys. Getting their feet on a small piece of ground. And then using it to gain more and more ground. But today, I want you to think about that in the negative. What happens when the bad guys get just a foothold? What happens when Satan and his forces get just a small piece of ground in your life and it's just enough for him to get some influence and for his influence to grow and for him to gain more ground and for him to end up defeating you and defeating your family. And that's, that's a sobering thought, but it's one that we have to deal with. And we're going to this morning as we continue this series. But before we continue to worship, I just want to remind you that although, although Satan is making every attempt to get a foothold in your life, our great captain, the Lord Jesus Christ has come into this world and he came into this world to defeat the enemy and he came into this world and he gained his own foothold at Calvary and from there his kingdom has never stopped spreading and from that moment Satan's kingdom has been on the defensive and a day is coming when the entire world the whole earth Habakkuk says will be filled with the glory of of God. And so let's celebrate and worship Jesus together this morning. This weekend, about 15 of us went to Tyler to something called Forest Song. Now, Paul and I had a, a 
alternative reason for going because we got to go see Cooper, but we also got to be with about 250 other folks and we sang all weekend long and learned a lot of new songs and had a really great time. But here is what I want to, what I want to say. We, there were six different worship leaders who, uh, had, had written and arranged songs and who led and who did a fantastic job. But I would put Wendell Burnham up against any one of them and would would be glad and thankful to worship with him as my leader. And I hope that you feel the same way. And I'm just very, very blessed by Wendell and Laura. I've always called them my musicianaries because that's what they do. That's exactly what they do. And I'm very thankful. And these other guys do this full time. And Wendell has a full time job and, and yet still dedicates a lot of time and a lot of thought and a lot of prayer every week for our worship. And I am very, very thankful for that. And I hope that you will show Wendell and Laura your appreciation as well. We are in a series, uh, for those of you who might be new, and I've called this series, How to Protect Your Family from Spiritual Attacks. And I want to just give a disclaimer again about that title. It's an intentional title Um, It's when we are in spiritual battle and when we read scripture, when we read the things that Paul wrote to churches, he wrote in the plural. He usually did not write in the singular. He wrote to a church because a church is the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. A church is a family of men and women who have been adopted by our Father God, and we are a part of His family. And so we have a spiritual family that we are a part of, and things that we do individually, decisions that we make, the way that we choose to live our lives, the New Testament is very clear. It impacts the other people in the body. It impacts the other people in the family. And so we want to be in the battle and to be victorious against spiritual attacks For the sake of our spiritual family, we also want to do that for the sake of our physical family. Because, again, the way you live your life has a huge impact on your family. And that may be your parents, that may be your brothers and sisters, that may be your husband or wife, that may be your children or grandchildren. But again, what we do and how we live and how we fight and the victory that we have has a big impact on our family. And so this series is about how for us as individuals to make decisions and to be in the battle and to take it seriously and to have the tools and the weapons that scripture has given us so that we can be victorious and so that it will have uh, good and blessed effects on our physical and on our spiritual families. And so today we're going to talk about the idea of, of giving or taking ground. Giving or taking ground. And this is really going to be important. This concept is going to be important as we go through this series. And I'm going to use this idea of ground as uh, in the sense of influence. That as, as we have give or take ground, it's influence in our life. And, and so, to give Satan ground in our life, to give him ground, to give him a foothold is to give him influence in your life. And this idea comes from Ephesians chapter 4, verse 27. And in Ephesians chapter 4, Paul cautions us against our anger simmering overnight. It's where that classic phrase, don't 
go to bed angry. Don't let the sun set on your wrath comes from Paul cautions us not to let our anger simmer and stir and boil overnight. And here's why Paul says for anger gives a foothold to the devil. Would you say the word foothold anger gives a to the devil? Okay. That word foothold is from a Greek word topos. It's where we get topography. And so that'll help you get a sense of what that word means. What the word means is, is a place. It means a specific spot or, or location. It means a piece of ground. And so Paul is saying there, it's a really graphic description of the way that Satan makes an entrance into our life. The way Satan gains influence in our life, he gets a foothold. He gets a place. He gets some ground. And all he needs is a little bit. That's all he's after is just a little bit. Just a, just a foothold. And Paul warns us that just a foothold is too much. We don't want to give him a foothold in our life. Now, in Ephesians 4, Paul is specifically mentioning anger as a sin that gives Satan a foothold. Now, anger in and of itself is not a sin. Scripture says that elsewhere. We can sin and not be angry, but anger that is held on to, anger that is allowed to to simmer and boil, anger that we keep through the night, that becomes a sin. And through that sin, Satan gains ground, a foothold in your life. Now, Paul's using the example of anger. I don't think anger is the only sin that that is true of. I think anger is not the only sin that can give Satan ground. Any sinful activity that a disciple of Jesus Christ does not deal with will be exploited by the enemy. Now, I'm going to say that again because I think that's really important. Any sin, any sinful activity... That a disciple of Jesus Christ does not deal with will be exploited by our enemy. And so each and every time that we give in to temptation, we give Satan a foothold and we give him influence in our life. And you can be absolutely sure that he's going to take that small piece of ground, that foothold, and he's going to use it. He's going to use it to influence us. He's going to use it to gain more ground in our life. Why does Satan want ground in your life? Why does does Satan want a foothold? Why are we warned about this? Because from that foothold, he's going to attack you with destructive temptations. From that place in your life, from that ground in your life, he's going to attack you with more temptations. He's going to bombard you with more lies. And you've opened yourself up to him when you give him ground. He's going to attack you. He's going to tempt you. He's going to lie to you. He's going to launch plans and schemes, Ephesians says, against you. And from that firm foothold, he will attempt to turn an act of sin into a regular practice. Of sin. And from that regular practice of sin, sin will become a habit. And from that habit, you'll be led into bondage. 
you'll be led to a place that Proverbs chapter 5 verse 22 describes. A place where you are held captive. Proverbs 5.22 says you are held captive by the ropes of your own sin. Now is that not an image? That's where giving ground to Satan will lead you if you don't deal with it. And we're going to talk about how to deal with it. It leads you to a place where you are captive. You are in bondage and you're held captive by the ropes of your own sin. And as Satan gains more and more ground, what he does is he's going to build strongholds in your life. And we're going to talk about that next week. But for today, I want us to talk about what to do if we've given Satan a foothold in our life. What to do if we've given Satan ground. And we're going to talk about a tool that you can use. A weapon that you can fight with to protect yourself, to protect your family against spiritual attack. Because as we've already read and sung, we do not fight this enemy with the weapons of the world. The weapons of the world will do no good against the spiritual enemy. Physical weapons are not going to deal with our spiritual battles. We have other weapons, not of this world, the Bible says. And we're going to talk about one or two of those this morning. And, and the first spiritual weapon that is absolutely critical, if we're, not, if we're going to make sure that sin doesn't give Satan a foothold, and that is the weapon, the tool of repentance and confession. Now, those are ideas, those are words that we're very familiar with as Christians. We know about repenting. We, we know we're supposed to confess. But I want to get really specific about that this morning. And for us to, to uh, use that as a tool and as a practice. It's not just a, an abstract idea in Scripture. It's a, it's a real tool that God has given us. A, a real spiritual weapon that God has given us. That will help us defeat the enemy. That will help us have victory against him. That will make sure... He does not get a foothold in our lives. And if he does, it's a way in which we can deal with it. And so, repentance, confession, genuine repentance and confession means acknowledging sin for what it is. And this is really important for all of us. To acknowledge sin for what it is. Because sin, brothers and sisters, is abhorrent to God. I tried to think of a strong word. If you can think of a stronger word, it belongs in that sentence. Sin is abhorrent to God. Sin has marred His creation. Sin has fractured And has broken the relationship that he created us to have with him. Sin is is like a cancer. I think that's just one of the best mental images I can come up with. That sin is just like a cancer. It's, It's insidious. It just consumes 
all that is good. It consumes all that is healthy. It does nothing but weaken and tear down and destroy until it achieves its end goal. And the end goal of sin in your life is death. Not just death physically, death spiritually. To be separated from God. That is where sin will lead every single one of us. And it is why God hates sin. And so sin should never be something that we easily dismiss. Sin should never be something that we laugh at. In fact, in Romans chapter 3, that's kind of like as bad as it can get, as Paul describes it, when we just start being entertained at and laughing at sin. And so... Brothers and sisters, don't ever let sin become something you laugh at, that you dismiss. Sin is so destructive and it is so dangerous that it required God to send His Son from heaven to earth. It required God to ask His Son to give up His own life. That is the length that God had to go to to deal with with my sin, to deal with your sin. And so don't ever forget that. Don't ever let sin become something that you just dismiss. And the problem is that all around us, sin is something that's being dismissed. It's actually something we probably don't talk about in churches very much anymore. Sin's one of those subjects that we we don't want to make people feel bad. And so we don't talk about sin. But John the Baptist preached constantly about sin. Jesus preached all the time about sin. We read the sermons of Peter and we read the sermons of Paul and they talked about sin. They didn't use language that we use nowadays. They didn't talk about it as genetic predispositions. They didn't talk about it as folks being victims. They didn't talk about it as alternative lifestyles. They didn't talk about it as addictions. They talked about it as sin and as something that had to be dealt with and that Jesus was the only one who could and did deal with it. The Bible calls it sin, folks, and it's not because the Bible didn't know the things that we know now. The Bible calls it sin because God has always known what it is. And has always known what it does. And so sin is sin and sin has to be acknowledged and dealt with. Not because God is mean, but because God is merciful. Because He wants to help us. Because He wants to save us. And He can't do it. If we won't come to the place where we acknowledge sin for what it is. We've got a... Everybody makes fun of me, and I don't mind. I love it, but I just am more conscious of it. I was about to say we've got to humble ourselves. Humble ourselves, whichever way you want to say it. We've got to humble ourselves, and we've got to come to God on our knees, like the man in Luke chapter 18 did. And he said, Oh, God. 
Be merciful to me, for I am a sinner. See, it starts on your knees. We've talked about that already. It starts on your knees. And then God gives this beautiful, powerful, simple way for his people to deal with the sin in their life. And I'm going to say it needs to be dealt with moment by moment. It needs to be dealt with when you become aware that it is sin. God wants you to admit it. God wants you to confess it. Now, he already knows it. He's not asking you to admit it so he can bring his wrath down on you. He is asking you to admit your sin so that he can shower his mercy and his grace and his forgiveness on you. I want us to camp out for just a little bit in 1 John chapter 1. It explains it simply. It explains it profoundly. This tool, this weapon that God has given us to deal with our sin so that Satan will not get a foothold in our lives. Verse 8. If we claim we have no sin, we are only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. But if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful. We sang a song about his faithfulness. He is faithful and he is just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. If we claim we've not sinned, we're calling God a liar and showing that his world, his word has no place in our lives. Just I want us just to camp out there a little bit. I want to go back to verse 8. If we claim we have no sin, we are only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. We are all sinners. Every single person besides the Lord Jesus Christ who has ever walked on the face of this earth is a sinner. None of us will ever, this side of heaven, be Sinless, but through the Spirit, we can sin less. We will not ever be sinless, but we can sin less. But when we do sin, He's made a way for us to deal with it, and that way is by confessing it. Verse 9 If we confess our sins to Him, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us. From all wickedness. Now, when the Bible says confess, here's what it means. The phrase actually, the word actually means this phrase to speak the same. When we are confessing a sin, we are speaking the same. We are agreeing with God that it was sin. And so that's what confession is. Confession is coming to God and it is admitting, it is agreeing with God that that is a sin. So that may be to agree with God that our anger got out of control and it was a sin. That may be that we agree with God that at look turned to lust and it was a sin. It may be that we agree with God that our sharing turned into gossip and it was a sin. It's agreeing with God is what confessing is. Whatever the sin is, confessing it is agreeing with God that it was wrong. And if we will do that, and again, if we will do that in the moment, do that when the Holy Spirit convicts us of our sin, then God is faithful 
And God is just. Just let that sink in. Our Father in heaven is faithful and He is just. He will do everything that He says He will do. Do you agree with that? Do you know that to be true? God will do what He says He will do. And if He says that He will forgive your sin, He will forgive your sin. If He says He will cleanse you from all wickedness, He will cleanse you from all wickedness. We just go to Him and we agree with Him. We confess that sin. If we don't do that, verse 10, if we claim we have not sinned, we are calling God a liar. And we're showing that His Word has no place in our hearts. There's that word place. By not practicing confession, we're showing God that His Word has no place, no ground in our life. By not practicing confession, we are giving Satan place. We're giving him ground in our hearts. And we give up spiritual ground. Satan claims spiritual ground when we do not deal with sin. We give him a foothold and a foothold is all he needs. And so I've just shared with you a very real, a very practical and a very powerful tool and weapon that you can use to protect yourself and to protect your family from spiritual attack. Confession. I practice it this morning because I sinned this morning. And so I'm practicing what I'm preaching. I'm putting this into, into work in my life. When I'm aware of that sin, when I'm aware of that thought that I've dwelled on, when I'm, whatever it is, I take this seriously. And I agree with God. I name it and I agree with God. I confess it. And I trust, I claim, I believe His truth that He will forgive. And when it says that He will remove all wickedness, here's what I imagine in my, life, in my mind. When he removes all wickedness, I just imagine that with his mighty right arm, he just moves Satan off that ground that I had given him. He just removes all wickedness. And Satan no longer has a foothold in my life. So, this really great tool, this really great weapon that we can use the moment that we're aware of sin. Now, for some reason... Sometimes it's out of laziness. Sometimes it's just because we enjoy the sin and we don't want to confess it yet. We don't deal with our sin. And it grows. It festers. And we begin to experience more of the devil's influence in our life. We've been in those, every one of us has been in those seasons. And it takes its toll on us, it takes its toll on our family. When we don't deal with our sin, but when we confess it, God is faithful and He is just. And so it starts with this first tool of repentance and confession. But then we need to take back that ground. And here's what I mean by that. That means to reclaim the ground that you gave up. We, we renounce our sin, but we announce something in its place. Nature doesn't like a vacuum. And so we don't want an empty space. I confess and I renounce that sin, but I want to announce some truth in my life. Announce my allegiance to Christ. Announce His name because His name is the most powerful name in all of the universe. We, we did this last week. 
we, we, we said out loud together some statements. They were called the who I am in Christ statements. Every one of them was taken directly from scripture. And so that is another weapon to renounce sin and to announce truth from God's word. And if there's a certain area of your life in which you keep sinning, in which you keep giving ground, don't just keep repenting and and confessing and then doing it again and repenting and confessing. Take this next step and, and speak some truth into your life. Find some scripture from God's word that speaks to that sin and say it and say it out loud. If, if unforgiveness is your issue and you find yourself continually dealing with unforgiveness and Satan's getting some, some ground, confess it and repent of it. And then find you a scripture that speaks to the power of forgiveness and say it out loud. If pride is your issue, then find some scripture that speaks against pride and, and claim it and say it out loud. If sexual sin is your issue, find some truth in scripture and, and say it out loud after you have confessed to God. And there's this rhythm of renouncing sin and announcing righteousness, rejecting lies and claiming truth. And I know from my own personal experience that this works. So back to those allies in World War II. All it takes is a tiny little beachhead and an entire continent can be conquered. That was a good thing. But it's not a good thing when Satan does it. And if we give him a foothold, if we give him ground, folks, he's going to do everything in his power to take more. He's never going to be satisfied because his goal is to destroy you to rob you of everything good and to kill you. He has nothing good in mind for you. So don't give him any ground. He'll take you out. He'll take your family out. He'll make you an ineffectual Christian. He'll cause you just to limp along and you limp along so long that you think that's just what it's supposed to be like. He'll cause you, as he just takes more ground in your life, just to get by. And I don't think God ever wanted us just to get by. He came to give us life and to give it abundantly. If Satan gets ground in your life and you don't deal with it and he just gets more and more ground, he's going to hold you captive by the ropes of your own sin. He's going to give you just enough rope to hang yourself. We said last week, there's three enemies, Satan, the ways of the world, and ourself. And we said we're our own worst enemy. Satan just uses that against us. That's not what God wants for us. It's not what God wants for you. God wants you, brothers and sisters, to be powerful. God wants you to be effective. God wants you to be fruitful. God wants you to be vibrant. God wants you to be Active. God wants you to walk and run in freedom. And if you are in some kind of chains, God wants to break those chains. It's why Jesus came into the world. He said so himself in Luke chapter 4. And then he just proved it all through his ministry. If you are in some kind of captivity, God wants to release you from it. If you have given ground to Satan, God wants to help you claim it and take it back. If you have been defeated, God can make you victorious. 
and you don't have to wait till heaven to have that kind of life. It can start today because God's kingdom has already started. And if say yes, out of the mouths of babes is what the Bible says. And if you won't do it, they will. So don't wait another day. Start dealing with your sin this morning. If Satan and his evil spiritual forces, which are active and at work, if they have been having their way with you, it can stop today. Because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. And so take a step today. Get down on your knees today. Call your sin what it is and agree with God and confess it and repent of it and reclaim the ground, the influence, the power that your sin gave the enemy in your life. This stuff is real. This battle is real. Your sin is real. The enemy is real. What he has done and is doing in the lives of too many Christians is real. That's why I'm preaching this and why I'm sharing this with you. And so don't let your faith just be an academic exercise. Don't let these, these sermons and these scriptures that we be, read just be something, oh yeah, that's true, somewhere out there. Take it seriously. Do something about it. M- claim its truth in your life. And start this morning protecting yourself and protecting your family from spiritual attack. Would you stand with me? And I just want to read a prayer over you. And as you hear this prayer, make it your own this morning. And then do the business with God that you need to do. Whether you do it in your own heart right now. Whether you want to come to the back and I'll meet you there. Whether it's something that you go home with and you work through. Do the business that you need to do today. Do not give Satan ground in your life. God has made a way for you to take it back. And so would you pray with me? May the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, which is mightier than all the host of Satan and is more glorious than all the host of heaven, Abide with me in my going out and my coming in by day and by night, at morning and at evening, at all times and in all places. May it protect and defend me from the wrath of evildoers, from the assaults of evil spirits. From foes visible and invisible. From the snares of the devil. From 
the passions that entice my soul and my body. May the name of the Lord Jesus Christ protect and deliver me. Amen.